This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Hello, it's Monday, late on a Monday, it's the Chase Thomas Podcast, and I am the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am joined, as I am, down there in Decula, Georgia, Mac Green, fellow University of North Georgia Nighthawk, Matt, good evening, sir, how are you? Good evening, sir, glad to be back. How was, uh, how was your Christmas? Uh, it was good. It was a, uh, you know, a big Christmas guy, you know, so no, we, was, uh... that is uh, that is a falsehood as we, we were but, recording uh, when you went full anti-Christmas in the last podcast. But, uh, but yeah, it was, it was low key, you know, um, Christmas Eve with, uh, with my family, mm-hmm. uh, Christmas with Tori's family. So uh, it was good. How about yourself? It was weird. I didn't go home, um, for a variety of reasons. So that was, that was unfortunate not being able to see my family. Um, they're actually going, my parents are going to come up this weekend to do new year's stuff. Um, so I'll get to see at least them, uh, but not getting to see my grandparents and extended family and all that kind of stuff was, was hard. Um, it was the first Christmas I've ever done alone. Um, thankfully I had, uh, someone very nice that I very much like, um, the lady friend. I, I was, Oh, mm-hmm. 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 Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's a cuffing season, as they say. I, it, it is, Matt. It, they all <laughs> say it. And um, the fact that we're both um, very much in our 30s now, basically, that uh, they, they love it. They love when they, the youth love when they hear older people say cuffing season. True that. How much older are you than me? Are, are we, you're, are you 30 or 31? I'm 30. I'll be 31 February. Almost 31. Okay, so you're two years older than me. Yeah. No, well, no. A month, a year and like three months. Okay. Because I turned 30 in April. Okay, yeah. So you're basically a year. Yeah, basically a year. Um, but yeah, that uh, that's good. What was the what was the best thing you got, you you received for Christmas, and the best thing you got uh, your your significant other, and also Zeus, which I never got, never got a Christmas photo of Zeus, never got any sort of Zeus holiday update, no Zeus going crazy for the ending of Liberty Coastal Carolina, no Zeus content whatsoever, Matt Green. You know, Zeus, he likes to lay low, you know, <laughs> so he's not, uh, he's not always trying to put all his business out there, but um, I'm uh, I'm one of the lucky men out there that uh, me, and, me and Tori aren't big on the whole exchanging gifts and everything for Christmas, so... We uh we we got a house we got we got things we're buying we're just like oh here here Merry Christmas we just got a bunch of stuff done to our house you know just drop some ser- some serious money and it's like well this this is what we need this is what we're getting Merry Christmas <laughs> that's about it pretty 
it's about not as exciting as it gets. Birthdays, on the other hand, I gotta uh, I gotta show out for the birthday. But no, Christmas is just kind of like uh, we'll uh, we'll get what we need. Okay, okay. gotta love getting cash from the uh, from the parents though. That's always it's always solid present. Isn't it crazy that we're at that point now where it's just like it feels so strange. I don't particularly like getting cash. Like it weirds me out kind of, but I it's just. <laughs> I, I wasn't able to do it this year, but my family, we do this, like, um, I don't even know what this game is. It's a very strange game, but it essentially ends up with everybody just walking away with a bunch of cash. And I don't know. I Like, I need it, and it's super kind of my grandparents to put together every year, but, like, it is a weird game. And um, I don't know. It's just, when I was a kid, I, I had a list, and I had all these different things that I was thinking about and wanting. Now, I just... I haven't made a Christmas list or like I get, it's just not even on my radar anymore. Um, I'm not as anti happiness and snow and joyfulness <laughs> as you are, Matt. But like, I do think it is kind of interesting where it just sneaks up on you, where you just sit back at one moment and you're like, wow, I didn't ask for anything this year. I didn't, I don't really care about getting anything. Like all I really wanted was like wool socks. Like I really want some wool socks. Mom, if you're listening, before you come up here, I would love some, some more wool socks. I have poor circulation, Matt. So I'm very pro wool socks. I'm very pro, um, things like that. So, uh, the lady okay. friend got me some awesome house socks that are just like fantastic. They're just like a huge little heater for my feet that I wear every day. They're, they're great. Uh, I'm all about That's it. solid. Yeah, yeah. My brother, my brother makes a, or one of my brothers makes a list like for my mom or he'll, like, he really? tell her, he'll tell her like, Hey, you get this, this, and this. Or something. <laughs> and I'm just like, my mom says, yeah, give me a list of things you guys want or need for that. I'm just like, I feel like I'm 30. I yeah. just don't need to be telling you like my list. Like I'm an adult. To- I buy it myself. Yeah, whatever. If you want to throw something my way, some, you know, I'll I'll gladly accept it. But I'm not just gonna like expect you to buy something for me. And, you know, maybe he gets what he wants at Christmas time. You know, so, you know maybe <laughs> I'm uh, selling myself short. But I don't know. Just, Is he gonna uh, be mad at you calling him out on this podcast? <laughs> who knows, man? But uh, he, he he gets he gets a better better Christmas gifts than I do. But my uh, my mom got me some cash. That's Cash is uh that that'll always uh that'll always work. Never go out of style. I guess, I suppose, I suppose. Well what to wrap up the Christmas element of this podcast, um what did uh what did you get Zeus? What or what did you and or Tori get Zeus for Christmas? So um she got some little like bark box thing from Chewy that just had like multiple toys and stuff in it and stuff like that. And um her mom actually got him a t-bone <laughs> and i just cut off i was generous you know gave him a little edge of the bone but i just cut out the bone and uh me and tori ate the steak i'm not just gonna give zeus the steak but i'll let him let him chew on a nice <laughs> nice bone you shorted you know? zeus but, on christmas i mean he, dog doesn't need a steak he already eats like a king trust me tori uh tori feeds him well he doesn't need a uh, new york strip oh my god I'm sorry, man. It's, hey, he got a nice bone. I, I threw him a bone, but uh, I and I was generous with the cut. You know, I left. Not I left only, not only, Matt on Green, there. are you anti-Christmas, anti-happiness? You're anti. You're stealing from your own dog, lovely no. friend of the podcast, Zeus. You were stealing his own gifts. I would never. The the bone was the gift. Oh my god. 
He oh, wouldn't know what God. to do with a steak that nice. I think he would probably eat it. He's a big dog. <laughs> he's a grown boy. He just had surgery. No, he didn't have surgery. Uh, he's, well, uh, he's he's recovered. Back by the way, he is he, he's he just had to take a little time off with the meniscus injury, but uh, he's he's back to back to walking uh, on his going on his frequent walks, his daily walks. So he's uh he's good. He's back at it. All right, happy to hear it. Are we getting a zoo sighting for social this week? Are you actually going to send me something? For I'll me? see what I can do. Okay, thank you. Um, what uh, what bowl games should we watch this week? Because we we have like a it's it's very strange bowl season this year feels especially like obviously this year is weird but i don't know if you feel this way matt but like i watched byu ucf a lot and i thought that was a really good game. like byu just and and just a well-oiled machine and i'm gonna miss zach wilson playing football in college very much especially get distracted by the jets where all good things go to die um i I very much enjoyed that. I love seeing them shut down UCF. I think that's an underrated part of all this. The ending to Liberty Coastal was something that I've never seen before. That was pretty bizarre. Um, the, it's just been sporadic because like Georgia State I watched way too much of on Saturday. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like it just it doesn't feel the same as previous years, man. Like I didn't do the bull pick on my family because some of them got canceled. Like Music City got canceled and Tennessee bailed out and I don't know. There have been so many opt outs like Florida's just like, uh, we're not coming except for Kyle Trask. And then you look at Georgia and you have Richard LeCount looks like he's going to play, um, which is a good thing. But like, I don't know this bowl season, man, it really feels like the only thing we care about is the playoff. And that's the only interesting thing. And I mean, I know you're being a Georgia fan, like you obviously care about that, but I don't know. Doesn't it feel like this bowl season is just <sighs> kind of yeah. a bummer? Well, and in recent years, I know people have started to talk about that kind of people who are like anti-playoff that the you know, bowl season has just been destroyed. I would say this is more of an effect of COVID than anything. You know, it's like I think you're seeing more opt-outs this year because of COVID. Just because, look, we went through the whole season. We've been basically quarantined three or four months going through this football season. This game means nothing. I'm trying to get drafted. I don't want to get hurt one last time. Like. I've given this, the the commitment to the team at this point, and I think you're seeing a lot more people just opt out. I would I would obviously we've seen it a lot in recent years anyway, but um I would say the the COVID seems like if next year's back to normal, I think bowl season will feel back to normal again. I mean how how many do we have like eight or nine bowl games that have been canceled? Shoot, it might be more than that. I think we're in double digits now. Yeah, so it's uh I. I feel like that's that's one of the reasons. It's interesting because you'd kind of think that would that would uh, maybe make the field better, not having like the bottom twelve bowl games. You know, maybe all the, the bowl games we do have would be more interesting. Mm-hmm. But it's not like it's just the twelve worst teams that right. don't get to go, or or the I guess twenty worst teams that don't get to go. It's 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 just kind of random a lot of most basically the entire pack 12 has decided not to play in a bowl game like it just seems to be all over the place you don't really know who's gonna play who's not so it's it, it's definitely weird and i i agree with you i didn't i didn't do the bowl pick them either and i like i always do a bowl pick them every year and it, it just it snuck up on you too it's like that app state game it's like that was like the the day after the playoff was announced and we we're like oh there's bowl games okay like it, it was like there was no anticipation it's like Okay, yeah. now it's bowl season, and now it's like, oh well, UCF, like you said, those a couple games, UCF BYU, 
um, and Liberty Coastal. Like I cared about those, but it's like Saturday night prime time ABC. We had Louisiana and Texas San Antonio. I was like, this is so strange right now. But uh, you know, I tried to get into that game. It's just there, there's it's been tough to get into some of these games right that have been played so far. But I think uh, I think this week we're gonna have some good ones, and it's gonna gonna feel like bowl season again. Yeah, I, I personally, I if I was commissioner of college football, mm. all bowl games would still be on Saturdays. Like college football is played on Saturdays. Like a lot usually, of disrespect you know, to Maction. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, maybe you get some Thursday, Friday nights just for some of those uh, lower bowls. But like, you don't need to be playing on Monday, Tuesday night. Like how we always have the national championship on like a Monday night and all this stuff. It's like Saturday is when we play college football. Like why don't we just keep doing that every every weekend? And you you pick the third Saturday in December or something to start playing the games or something to start playing those lower tier bowls. And then, you know, whenever January 1st is, we know that's kind of the, the benchmark and a lot of people have January 1st off. So it, it makes sense to, to play games that day. But I feel like it would just be better if we're playing these games on, on Saturdays instead of we got Florida, Oklahoma on Wednesday night. It's just, it seems so random. Yeah, I think that's true, but I, I, I suspect if we went back, a lot of those games felt that same way um, in the last couple of years, that bowl games have been starting to pop up around. Just It's more eyeballs in the sport. Um, and I don't know if you saw Stuart Mandel's um, tweet today about the ratings for the season. A lot of those big games, but ratings down almost half across the board for all the big games compared to last year. Um, I did see that. Yeah, there was like five games last year that were, were higher ranked than the highest game this year. And yeah, yeah Clemson and Notre Dame were each of the top two. Yeah. Um, so that is kind of alarming. I don't know if that's another indicator of just um, what's going on in this season and just the, the pandemic is to blame, but I'm sure there's a multitude of factors there, but um, I don't think we talked nearly enough about the fact that Hawaii didn't play in the Hawaii bowl, which bothered <laughs> me way more than it should have. Like I was extremely upset about this. I'm just, I, I casually was tuning into Hawaii Houston. Um, I want to say that was Christmas Eve, right? I want to say they played in the afternoon, but they yeah. played in the New Mexico Bowl. Hawaii, if they're not in a New Year's Six game on a Colt Brennan like run, they should be forced to play in the Hawaii Bowl. Did we get? I, I'm sure there's a reason for this because I think the Hawaii Bowl was canceled or something that it didn't happen, so they had to go somewhere else. And they had to go to the New Mexico Bowl. I just didn't like that I had to watch the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. Shout out to them, 5-4 and four this season. Tied Graham. Getting them over 500, year one. Um, didn't like it, Matt Graham. Didn't like <laughs> I guess it. they had to find a, a neutral site. Yeah, I didn't like it. Right in between Houston and Hawaii, New Mexico is what they decided on. Like, I really remember watching a lot of Hawaii bowl games late on uh, Christmas Eve with uh, at, my, at my grandparents' house growing up. Like, that is my thing. I love watching... Hawaii put up uh, 45 in the Hawaii big Bowl. Timmy Chang guy. Yeah, big Timmy Chang guy, big Colt Brenham guy, um, big De- uh, the- Devon Bess. Yeah, I was going to say Devon Bess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's talk more about that Colt Brennan team and that mm-hmm. great Sugar Bowl that they they played in. That was a fun one. That is so like the way. Okay, look, I am a <laughs> Colt Brennan's like the coolest college quarterback of all time. It was a lot of fun. The people Why, what who makes it the coolest college quarterback of all time? His visor, his didn't he get swagger. kicked off of Colorado. He what? Didn't he get kicked out of Colorado? Um, all the best ones do. Caleb got kicked out of story, Florida, and uh, we know how that turned out. So, 
it, it's a great story. And Colt Brennan, just the coolest. The visor, everything about Colt Brennan. Loved him. He's maybe my favorite college quarterback. I do quarterback. respect the visor game. He was definitely, uh, he was definitely swagged out. Yeah, he was just cool. But also, Georgia fans who were just so angry about that game happening and about thrashing Hawaii. They didn't deserve it. And all of a sudden, I'm like, do you understand? And this was my argument from the beginning. If Hawaii wins, that is a huge, huge indictment on you and your program that these two, three stars destroy, or not even destroy, just beat your five and four star loaded team that should have actually done that. You did what you were supposed to do. It's like Bama fans bragging about blowing out Notre Dame. It's like you were a 20 and a half point favorite. You have better players. You're supposed to win these games. But Georgia was supposed to win that. After the fact, yes. But no, th- before, I remember I was like, people, no, if they win, it's an amazing accomplishment. There was a lot of people picking Hawaii. I don't know if you remember that back in 20, 2007, but there was a lot of people that were like, you know, this undefeated Hawaii team. Like, Because was, it would have been more fun, but they shouldn't have won. Around. It would have been more fun, but they shouldn't have won. Like, they were not equipped. It was like watching Varsity versus JV. It was like watching Varsity versus JV. Marcus Howard. Marcus Howard was my boy. That He put that hit on uh, on Colt Brennan. Sugar yeah, I didn't like that. Didn't but also like Georgia fans, they weren't like mad at Hawaii. They were just like my so family, salty. How all Georgia fans, by the way. My that, family's all Georgia was, fans, and they're all, they were chomping at the bit. They were talking to me like, see, Hawaii sucks, and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Hawaii's amazing. What an amazing accomplishment to go undefeated and put up the kind of season. No, they're amazing for Hawaii. Like Nevada had an amazing season. Coastal Carolina had an amazing season for Coastal Carolina. It's all different. You have to measure them differently. They had an amazing season for Hawaii. Of course, but Georgia fans were just salty about being that close to being in the national championship. And by the end of the year, that team was one of the best teams in the country. So they just wish... They could have had an opportunity on the field. but What I'm saying is Georgia fans are the worst. Um, You'd bite your tongue, sir. <laughs> um, you want to get into some news? We have a bunch of news and notes because like the bowl stuff, we'll we'll get into our college football pre- uh, preview in a bit. Um, not a lot of bowl action outside of Coastal Liberty, if you have some thoughts on that. But um, a lot of news. Urban Meyer reportedly getting eyed by multiple NFL jobs. The one that stands out, it seems like it's the Jacksonville job because he has coached in Florida. He um, is still relatively young. I want to say, is he 56? I want to say um, he gets to sure. coach Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> which is a great thing to walk into the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. I understand the logic there. I, I just really love Stuart Mandel's piece in the athletic today about why he should say no um, did you read it? I have not. Okay. I highly encourage you and all the listeners to do so because I think Stu did a great job laying this out where he knows urban really well. And he's, he points out in the piece, like he's never met a coach who takes losing harder than urban Meyer. Like no one. That's why urban had to retire three times is that he can't handle it. Like he is so stressed out all the time and losing just puts him in a different stratosphere. Like as someone who suffers from anxiety and really suffers from not handling stress. Well, I understand where he's coming. He had a brain cyst. He had chest pains through the middle of the night that his wife rushed him to the hospital because he had an anxiety attack. Like this guy does not handle losing. Well, he is maybe the second best college football coach of all time. He has like an 85% winning percentage all time. He turned around every program he went to. 
He is an all-time great. He didn't even win, did he even he, lose double-digit games at Ohio State? Like he is a college football legend at this point. I think he's now underrated by people who talk about it because he was in the same era as Nick Saban. But in any other era, we're like, holy shit, what a twenty-year <clears throat> run from this head coach. Um, he just is going to lose a lot. He is an all-time great, but. I don't feel like him being a bad loser is like a, a good quality. Like No, no, I no, mean, no. I, I'm not saying it's a good quality. I'm saying, and this is what Stu lays out in the piece, is that the NFL is different than college. You don't get to run everything your way. You don't get to do, you don't get to out-recruit everybody else. You're coaching the Jaguars. You're going into a situation where you're going to lose. He has never lost eight games in a season. He's never lost that kind of way like he he turns a program from two and eight to nine and four like he doesn't yeah i mean a good nfl team is losing five six games and the way he handles stress losing two <laughs> Stu's like he can't handle it like he's had to retire because he can't handle losing twice yeah he was, the last true, time we saw but... him on the sidelines matt do you remember he was falling over he could <laughs> like he was having horrible headaches like, he couldn't make it through the season. But the thing is, with a pro coach, you know, there's a lot of stresses that are off the table when you're an NFL coach as opposed to having to worry about recruits and just the decision-making of 18- to 22-year-old kids, you know? Yeah. So, it, you know, it could, be, it could be a little bit less stress. You know, you never know. But I, at this point, like you said, Urban Meyer is one of the all-time great coaches in college football. And with with the amount of college influence you're seeing go to the pro game, I feel like you might as well. Someone might as well see if what he does can work in the NFL because he's been such a good coach at literally every stop. Like there's not many guys that have been as successful at so many stops, you know, with just from Bowling Green, Utah, Florida and uh, Ohio State. So. I, I I'm convinced anywhere he goes, he can be successful because he's yet to prove us otherwise. I like Urban a lot. I don't think he should coach in the NFL. I don't think it would go well, and I don't even think he should really coach anymore. Based on everything I know about he's, his health, well, and, he's such a good recruiter. Like, yeah, he's an elite of elite recruiter, and just establishing that reputation is the most difficult part. So mm-hmm. he could go to Texas, he could go to USC, he could go to any of these programs and win a national championship. Like I'm a hundred percent convinced of that. So yeah. it's just a, the, a professional, it's just how, whatever his like professional goals are. I would imagine just with the amount of success he's had at the college level, he might just want to see if he, if what he does can work at, in the NFL. I, just, I would, I, would, I don't want to see him fall over in the sidelines. I don't want him to lose it at one and six with the Jaguars. Like I don't I, want I don't to see want him. Trevor to- Lawrence to be coached by him. Cause I feel like I just want Trevor Lawrence to go into just any normal NFL offense because I feel like he would thrive. Like, I don't – not that Urban Meyer's offense isn't going to work, but I feel like it it seems gimmicky a little for the NFL, right? Like, I mean, maybe maybe that's the standard way people are going to be in the NFL. Like, I mean, that's kind of what Jalen Hurts has been doing uh, this year. I mean, that's year. what Lamar did last year and went to a number one seed. Like, I think yeah, – it's not really so maybe, gimmicky. It's just more – like, the NFL is more RPO heavy. It's more – conducive to that kind of spread system most teams run the spread most teams are in 11 personnel they're not using a fullback they're doing play action a bunch they're in the gun all the time like the nfl has really evolved due to what the college game is giving them like i, I guess think- what i'm yeah i guess what i'm saying as trevor lawrence is such a prototype mm-hmm. i almost feel like it's it's selling his skill set short if you put him in an mm-hmm. offense like that not that he couldn't be super successful in it 
Yeah. Um, De'Eric King returning for his 19th college season. Um, really happy about that. I hope him and Sam Ellinger both come back. It looks like Ellinger is leaning towards it. Um, I love these Taysom Hill types who just... <laughs> Ellinger like, might as well, man. Right. Like, where, where's he going to go? Fifth round to the Giants? It's like, no, just go out to school. Get another year. Um, be huge for Tom Herman in Texas. Um, what do you think about Derek King coming back to Miami? I think this is huge because I think Miami has a real opportunity. Their recruiting class is really strong. They just got Jake Garcia from Grayson. Um, Manny Diaz is really putting together some solid recruiting classes. The defense is going to be strong. The offensive line has been hit or miss this year. They haven't been able to run the ball effectively every game, but Derek King has been an absolute monster in that offense. Um, I think him coming back for another year is really smart because this QB class is loaded and uh, he has an opportunity next year to run roughshod through the ACC, especially a post Trevor Lawrence ACC. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing. And just with all those, all the good teams just about this year are losing their starting quarterback, you know, assuming certain guys leave if they graduate and everything. But um, Miami, I mean, this definitely makes Miami a, a legitimate contender. And like you said, they've got a, solid recruiting class this year and Derek King a, a second year in the system like uh Miami would definitely be a legit contender to uh to beat Clemson in the ACC next year I think with this move yeah Rocky Lombardi the guy who wears nothing on his arms it drives me absolutely crazy no QB wrist tape no gloves no anything just just bearing it out and I don't like it. Never liked it. It's always bothered me. So not having to see him anymore is a raw dog in it. Yeah, don't like it. I don't like <laughs> it. And uh, yeah, not my thing. But uh, he's transferring to Northern Illinois. Um, do we mention on the podcast uh, where Dewan Mathis ended up? We did. Okay. Yeah, he ended up at a uh, Temple. JT Shroud, former Tennessee quarterback legend, JT Shroud. Uh, has wound up at the University of Colorado. So good luck to him. Showed some flashes down the stretch here in Knoxville. I don't think it's been announced where Jared Garantano is transferring yet because he also entered the portal. Uh, no, I haven't seen where he's going. Also, Jermaine Johnson, uh, grad, or I think he's a just a transfer at this point um, from Georgia, is going to go to Florida State. So glad not to... Mm-hmm. Glad to see him not going to Florida, that's for sure. Didn't want to see him go in the Brenton Cox route. <laughs> exactly. But Georgia also, is with Aziz Ojolari probably going pro, like, I mean, I've seen projections of him being a first-round pick. I would just, I would have thought Jermaine Johnson would have gotten more playing time. So it's it's interesting that uh, that he's transferring. Some really sad news. Um, Ty Jordan was an absolute monster this year uh, as a true freshman for the Utah Utes, especially in that uh, Colorado game. Um, great, great story coming out of high school. Um, his mom had stage four lung cancer, which is awful, and that was profiled. I remember reading that a long time ago, and that was just, and she passed away. And then, tragically, he shoots himself and kills himself. And uh, it was an accident, it seems like, and phew, that family's already suffered. Uh, a lot and this is just i don't i don't know how you come back from this and this is just such a brutal blow to that um area to that team program that family i i just i can't imagine 
No, pretty much. I can't, I can't really add anything. Like you said, it's, uh, it's tragic. And I, and from just from a football's perspective too, I mean, he had a, an excellent freshman year at Utah. So it's, uh, it's really unfortunate. I think he was pac 12 freshman of the year this year. Yeah. It, um, just, just horrible. Um, Dabo Sweeney. You know how I feel about Dabo Sweeney on this podcast, Matt. Big big Dabo guy. Yeah, you you know you know how <laughs> I feel about Dabo Sweeney. I've never minced words when it came to my least favorite college football head coach, I think. Um I've got some bad news, Matt. What's that? I agreed with Dabo this week. Uh oh. Didn't like it. Felt gross. Needed to take a shower immediately after reading his quotes. I didn't like it. I don't know what to do with this. It's a new development in my life. But uh, hey, you're you're unbiased, you know. I it am. Shows, it shows, you know, different evidence has been presented to you, and you can uh, change your mind. I uh, I'm also irritated by Dabo Swinney uh, frequently, but uh, I agreed with this as well. Well, let's talk about what we both agreed with um, when it came to Dabo and the Cottswell playoffs. So here's what Dabo said: "Quote." If Southern Cal had been 6-0, and I wouldn't have had them in there. Every year I take the ballot seriously, but especially this year. I just don't think it's right that three teams have to play 13 games to be the champion and one team has to play eight. People have a problem with that. I don't really care. It's my poll. <laughs> I would also remind the Ohio State people I voted them in 2017 and left Alabama out, which is true. Um, and they were good enough to win it. I just think Ohio State deserved it. I'm an equal opportunity guy. Well, that's not true, Dabo. But um, I think the game's... He doesn't ma- want players making money. Yeah, I was like, no, you're not. <laughs> let, let, calm it down. Like, he, you knew he couldn't get it all out without uh, making some erroneous statement. But um, he said, I think the games matter, which was the most important part here. And he said, I don't think it's right that Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Florida, Cincinnati got punished because they played more games, which is true. The game is not played on paper. Very good point to just say... They would have won. I don't think that's right. People take it personal, but it's nothing personal at all. Dabo is completely right here. It's true, and that's why we were saying, like, the games matter. And, you know, maybe the NCAA tournament in basketball, it just took them a while to get their criteria right. But I feel like they've figured it out. Like, all you can go off is the resume, you know? It's like, what did you put on film for us to judge you? And I think a eight and one Texas A&M team did more, put more on film personally than a than a six and zero or seven and zero. Is that what they ended up? Ohio State team. It just having to go through that entire SEC schedule, and it just like we're putting Ohio State in the college football playoff, like to play with for the national championship because they beat indiana and northwestern like is that where we're at and like that's just a bad look for the sport in my opinion it is and we knew it was going to happen like i i we really know, did are they going to acknowledge and this is something that i don't even know they don't want this kind of transparency but like the ratings matter i really think that was part of this was notre dame and ohio state are ratings machines and i think that is an underrated part of this that david didn't point out that i probably would have pointed out too is that um Notre Dame was going to get in because of their ratings, and I think um, they also played a great schedule. And the Notre Dame's a very good team; they're a top ten team. Um, you could make an argument for them. I would not have, but you can. It is there. Um, and the, the Clemson win is just like what was, what trumped everything. Yes. like that was like the best win 
of like that any contender had on their on their ske- on their resume essentially until Clemson beat Notre Dame. Like that that's really what carried them. And once we saw Notre Dame lose to full full strength Clemson, mm-hmm. I just feel like I immediately discarded how they played without Trevor Lawrence. Like it it just it's irrelevant at that point. This team play loses their season finale by like four touchdowns and we decide they're good enough to play for the college football playoff. Like it, I just, I don't get it. I don't get them being in there either. Honestly, I think, I think Notre Dame's performance made it easier to justify Ohio state being in, you know, with just an undefeated team versus a team that just got blown out in the conference championship. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm a firm believer that Texas A&M should have been one of the four. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm right there with you. I would not have disagreed. And I also think, of the group, I think they the teams that were left out. I think they would have had the, I think they would have fared the best against Bama at this point. I would. Um, yeah, because there's something about the current form that has to really matter. Like I remember mm-hmm. LSU, you know, years ago when they had the two losses, they lost like two of their last three games or something, but then won the SEC championship and got in. But like, just the current form of Notre Dame just getting blasted in the last game they played versus A and M winning like seven straight games. Like I feel like that just that has to matter, and to me personally, I'm right there with you. Um, but it is what it is. I agree with Dabo. I don't like it. It sets a bad precedent that games are one on paper. That it's just like they they would have had to come out and just say that look, um, we just feel like they're better. And it's like, well, then why are we playing? What is the point of the game if, like, you just feel like they're better? Like, I don't even necessarily disagree with the idea that Ohio State is a top-four team. But they played half a season. We don't know if they would have gone 10-0 against the entire Big Ten. They had some clunkers. Like, they could have stumbled. They, they've done it the last couple of years. They've struggled. Justin Fields had some really bad games this season. Like, he really struggled. Um, yeah, against the two best teams they played, and I'm I I, I shouldn't even bring out the stat because I don't have it sitting right in front of me. But I remember seeing someone post that it was something like in the BCS era that like 45 teams have started six and zero or something like that, and like 16 or something like that actually went undefeated or something. Yeah, you know, it's some some kind of outrageous number like that. Like, yeah, we've seen a lot of teams start six and zero. And, and in hindsight, I really do wish Southern Cal would have gone 6-0 and so that we could have been debating, like, yeah, they're 6-0 and and they're 7-0, and but we just feel like they're way better. Like, <laughs> and that's that's really the complete rationale. It's like, this team's number three, but this other one, if Southern Cal had won, would they be, like, number 11 right now? They, yeah. they may have shot up just because of the conference championship. They may have gotten to, like, 8 or 9 or something. But, but yeah, it's interesting just the the gymnastics they do for this this criteria that's changing every year it's wild man um but hopefully let's hope for the best and um it will it'll be good well let's get into the playoff games matt um you and i are going to study them both very very closely i obviously am i, I would tend to suspect matt that you are more intrigued by the Clemson Ohio State rematch than the Notre Dame Bama game, correct? Uh yeah, without a doubt. I um I just looking at this Notre Dame team, like we we just saw this, you know, like mm-hmm. I feel like Alabama's a better version of Clemson, in my opinion. And we just saw Clemson smoke Notre Dame. So I don't see anything changing really. And 
Alabama, it, it's felt like, I don't know, their their defensive standards are just so are so on another level from everyone else because we felt like all year like you know this Alabama defense they're not as great as they usually are and then you know it's felt like teams have had more success running the ball against them this year they're and then I you look up and they're they're like twelfth in the country in rush defense it's like oh this Alabama team they're not invincible so you you actually criticize them but they're still I think that's the only option Notre Dame has because. Um, when it came when when they did beat Clemson, it was how they stopped the run and how they were able to run the ball. So I think Najee Harris is is the key to this game. Even though he didn't get a invite to the high to the virtual Heisman ceremony, I think he's the key to the game because if he's consistently getting five and six yards like he was when they played Georgia, like he was when they played Florida, like there's absolutely nothing Notre Dame can do if Najee Harris is getting chunks on the ground and that passing game is just unstoppable. Yeah, I um it it just I don't think it's good for the sport that one of the two playoff games that they need as many eyeballs as possible has a game where it's a 20 point spread. Like that is just no matter how there's no NFL playoff game that's going to open as a 20 point spread. None. Like that's not a thing. That's insane. We don't talk about that enough. That is insane that that's where we're at. But it's true there's just no way Notre Dame wins this football game. Like we just know that they're not winning this game. And if you're a Notre Dame fan, you're like, damn man. Like we had to like, people are going to overreact to Notre Dame. And I think Notre Dame fans have a right to be like, Hey, hold on. We, we deserve like some criticism here, but like our two losses this year are going to be against Clemson and Bama. That's our two yeah. losses. And you're going to like shit on us. Really? The two best teams in the country, the two best programs the last 10 years. And you're like, see Notre Dame sucks. They don't belong. It's like, Everyone, like, just about every team's losing to those two teams. That's what happens. Clemson and Alabama beat you. They beat everybody. Like, that is an okay, that's an amazing season if that is all that happened to you. Like, they were, Ian Book had some really great moments. They had a great running game. Their defense has been great. Um, They've had a really good season. They blew out North Carolina. Really great game there. They were really good. They played in the ACC. It was fun. They got to play an ACC dog game. Like, it's been a very, very good season for Notre Dame. They're just going to get blown out. But I do think if there's anything to take away from the Clemson game was that they had their shots early, right? Like, I think that's going to happen here, too, is like, we'll know really early on how quickly this gets away from them. Will this be over in the first quarter or will this be over midway through the third? And it will depend on how Notre Dame capitalizes in their early drives and before Bama makes adjustments at the half and all that kind of stuff and just really puts their foot on the gas because I think Notre Dame's defense is really, really good, and I think they are going to keep them in check at least early on. Now, does Notre Dame actually score enough early on to make this competitive in the fourth quarter? I don't know. I have my doubts, but would it surprise me if it's like 17-7 Bama going to the half or 17-14 Bama going to the half? No. Do I think it's still ending 45-21 or something? Yes, I do. I think Bama's covering. But I do think the college football playoff committee is just like, keep it close for as long as humanly possible. And I think it will come down to those first two possessions for Notre Dame because we saw them fizzle out and get no points, miss field goal, um, just really costly stuff early on against Clemson. And they didn't take advantage of an early Trevor Lawrence mistake. And Mac Jones makes a similar mistake and they don't do enough. Then they're... They're going to be, it's going to be over and get out of hand very, very quickly. Um, Because Devontae Smith is eventually going to make plays. Um, Najee Harris is eventually going to make plays. 
I I just I don't know how long it will take for that dam to break, if that makes sense. Yeah, I definitely um I, I, it's not an indictment on Notre Dame just if they lose to Clemson and Alabama, without a doubt. I think the the spread and and I don't know, people's maybe lack of interest in this game is I think purely based on just how good this Alabama team is, you know, and, and not and not that Notre Dame's not deserving of being here. It's just this uh, this Alabama team's outscoring teams by 30.2 points per game. That's the most of the entire Saban era. And they've been dominating people for 12 years now under Saban. And this this is the most they've ever dominated the opponent. Even the one year they went undefeated in 2009, they were outscoring teams by 21 points a game. So I um, I, are, you, are you giving a score prediction for this game? Yeah, we can do heard, score predictions for this. I heard game. you say forty-five twenty-one. Was that your exact score? Is that your idea? What was I'm gonna say? Um, I'm gonna say forty-eight. Tw- yeah, let me do forty-eight. Tw- forty-eight twenty, Alabama. I'm pretty much almost. I'm almost uh, guessing the exact same score. Forty-seven seventeen. Okay. Is, uh, this is the score I have. I don't think it will be over by halftime. I could definitely see like a, a 24-10 kind of halftime score or something, you know, Alabama in control, but it's not over. But yeah, I just, this Alabama team is just so good. Like they are, they're incredible every year. It's like they finally, it's like they finally started doing what everyone else in college football is doing. And they're like, yeah, if Alabama's doing this, we can be better than everyone else doing it. And that's what you're seeing. They have six All-Americans for the six first team All-Americans, the most uh, ever in the Saban era. It's just it's it's pretty ridiculous. I, I don't know who's who's really like just counting down, just ready to ready to wait for four o'clock on New Year's Day for this game to start. It's like the the Clemson Ohio State one. That's like that's a great rematch, great storyline from last year, especially with the controversy around that game last year. It's like this this is honestly the number one reason why I felt like Texas A&M deserved to be in because just seeing Notre Dame get blasted two weeks ago or whenever that was, there's just absolutely no one that can possibly think they're going to give Alabama a game. Not that we would necessarily think Texas A&M would beat them, but. There, there is that familiarity factor and the fact that they've won seven games in a row. It's that all that. I just, I, I just don't see Notre Dame keeping this one close. Yeah. Um, Clemson, Ohio state. I'm very excited for this game. Fields has quietly had like it. <laughs> what we expect from quarterbacks when like you look at the numbers based on like how you'll hear some certain talking heads talk about quarterbacks. Where I'm like, oh man, maybe he has, and he, he, like any mistake, we just have such high expectations for these guys. I'm like, and then you look at Fields' numbers, and you're like, okay, I think we might be overacting a little bit here. Um, he's still amazing, and he's still just been crazy dominant. He's crazy dominant in the air, on his legs. Yes, he's struggling a little bit with uh, reading defenses, but like, he's still an elite college quarterback at the very least, and um, he stretches the defense and. Ohio State has figured out their running game. And you mentioned Trey Sermon in our rundown. And I think he is someone that has become a very big part of this offense because they needed to have variety. They need to be multidimensional. I think an underrated part of the reason they struggled against Northwestern was missing their leading receiver, 
um, Fields has looked at Agave like a bunch this season. They he targets their starting wideouts so much more than everybody else. It's not even funny, and I think that matters getting them both back here. Um, I think Ohio State's defense is the biggest issue I have coming into this game. Where I'm like, Clemson seems a bit more complete across the board, and I think Ohio State's defense really does scare me. I'm not sure they are built to withstand Trevor Lawrence and this uh, Clemson group. I think Clemson's just more complete. As boring as it is, they are more complete. I, I want to pick Ohio State. <laughs> I don't want Tabo to win another playoff game. I've said going in that I thought Ohio State had a really shot, real shot here. I think they do. Um, do I w- think they're going to win? No. Do I think they have a real shot? And would it surprise me at all if they beat Clemson? No. Clemson did lose to Notre Dame with or without Trevor Lawrence. That did happen. They've shown that like this game came down to a Justin Fields pick uh, last year. And I think that Ohio State team was worse than the team that uh, will be playing Clemson this year. Um, but I don't know. I, I think this could go both ways. What do you what do you think? Yeah, I think you definitely made some some valid points uh, that Justin Fields, like he's still a first round talent, like he's still like an elite quarterback. But mm-hmm. you with how good it, it's it's interesting. It's it's only it's like a cycle that every athlete kind of falls into. It's like you become good and then everyone loves you. But then you get judged on that championship on that highest elite of the elite level. And then that's when people start to criticize you because you're just in a different stratosphere now. And, yeah. and that's where he is. So it's not like people are saying he can't play in the NFL or anything as much as it's like, oh, we thought this guy was a top two pick, top three pick. Maybe he's not worth that. You know, I don't know. Six games is such a small sample size. Right. Like if he had six, you know, if you extrapolate his numbers and just double his numbers and it's 30 touchdowns and 10 picks, you know, that's a big step down from last year in 14 games he had 41 touchdowns and three picks you know but maybe in the the, the next six games he throws 20 touchdowns and zero interceptions yeah. you know you just you never know you can't really extrapolate stats like that but he's definitely been not as efficient as he was a year ago and like if you just look how he was the first three games this year like we we talked about how good he looked and he was flawless. He had 11 touchdowns and 11 incompletions in the first three games of the season, completing mm-hmm. 87% of his passes. What I worry about is he's being relied on a lot more in the running game. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you, you usually see like a, a maturation process of a lot of these mobile quarterbacks is they run early in their career. And mm-hmm. then once they start to figure it out, you know, then they just, they're kind of picking people apart with their arm. And then, oh, yeah, I still have this ability to run when things go wrong. It seems like they're relying him more on the, in the second half of the season on him. Actually, he averaged 19 rushing yards per game in the first three. And he's averaging 72 on the ground in the last three. And you've also seen him throw four touchdowns and five picks in the last three games. And Northwestern and Indiana are really the only two teams with a pulse that they've played this year. And he threw all five of his interceptions in those two games. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's not nothing with Justin Fields. It is something to talk about because of, you know, the set the standard he set for himself with how good he was last year. But um, he's definitely going to be the key to this game, because like you said, with Trey Sermon, like he's not rushing for 300 yards on Clemson. So 
I think I think Justin Fields was bailed out last week by Sermon really just putting the game on his back against Northwestern because they played excellent defense on Ohio State uh, and on Justin Fields. So this is this is going to come down to Justin Fields having to make some plays. And in the end, I think Clemson, I think this Clemson team might be better than they were a year ago. And Ohio State doesn't look as good as they were last year. And so I think I have Clemson 38-28. That would not surprise me. Ten. What is the current – what's the number right now? What is the spread? I think Clemson is a seven-point favorite. Okay. Um. So you think they cover? Yes. Yeah, yeah. seven and a half. Okay. See, I think if Ohio State wins, Clemson still covers. I think it's going to be something crazy like that, where Trevor Lawrence makes a bad late game mistake or something like that, and he just gets that. Because remember, the offensive line really folded against Notre Dame down the stretch in that loss in South Bend. And I think I can see something similar where if they, they get into that situation, maybe. But I am going to say Clemson... Clemson 38, Ohio State 33. All right. So we, we basically have the same idea about both of these games. I uh, I think Notre Dame might have a better defense than Ohio State. And oh, I, I think they yeah, definitely I, do, for sure. So, yeah, I wonder if, if Ohio State's defense will keep them in it. I think that's definitely something they have to worry about. And Justin Fields just turning the ball over. That's something we would have never thought we would say after, after last year and the first three games of this year. I agree. I agree. Um, all right, Matt Green, we, you had an idea to, uh, to get us, get us excited and enthused about bowl season because it was kind of a somber opening to this podcast about the current state of bowl season. Um, to put a bow on this episode, what, uh, what game did you want to play? with regards to bowls. Well, we all love to, uh, we all love these bowl games. You know, some of these mm-hmm. corporate sponsors are, uh, you know, are all, all over the place. Yep. I think, um, so I'm, I'd like to just get your, your favorite, maybe yeah, one or two favorite, uh, bowl game names. You know, I think the Duke's Mayo bowl, that's kind of the low hanging fruit. You know, I think a lot of people like to talk about that one, but, um, my two favorite, are the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl? <laughs> That's a good choice. <laughs> Elite decision there. That's just a great bowl. Uh, fun fact for you: the Sun Bowl is actually like one of like the two or three oldest bowl games uh, that that exists. Oh, I love this. Do you have? A, tell me you have more bowl facts. Give me some bowl facts. I don't doing. have that many more bowl facts. Like, but the, my other one was uh, the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. You know what just I love about that one? It's quick. It's easy. It's simple. <laughs> It's something you'll remember forever. That's what I love. Well, it's just, and it'll never change because the Holiday Bowl has only changed their sponsor six times in the last 20 years. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it's funny how these corporate sponsors, like when you grow up with them, they just make sense. Like mm-hmm. I hear Nokia Sugar Bowl. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Pacific Life Holiday Bowl. Yeah. Like I just, Pacific Life Holiday Bowl. And you hear the Chick fil A Bowl. You see the whale going in the ocean all the time, you know. I, uh, I just like those corporate sponsors. The Outback that, Bowl literally has it in the name. Yeah, literally, they don't even try to hide it, and you're just like, yeah, that Outback Bowl. Let's go to Tampa. All right, it's quality season. But um, <laughs> let's go get some uh, blooming onions. 
Yeah, now now you see it like Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. I was down. Now you see the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, and now the old that curve- bothers me. That really bothers me. I and like I have it. brand loyalty to Tostitos because of these bowls. Exactly, especially the ones that are actually like fit sponsors, like yeah. Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. Like I, I see where you're going with. It. I see the the connection there. You know, like you got who was at the. Uh, the Lockheed Martin, I, they, have, they have a good one. It's like the, what are they, like the Military Bowl or, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. something like that. The but, military uh, loves them. Yeah, it's like that one makes sense. I get it. But uh, I don't know. What, what What's your favorite one? The Roof, I, I love a sponsor who's like, you know what? Our name's not enough. We got to get that dot .com in there. Get some dot .com action. <laughs> got to make sure that people know that they uh, they should be going to the dot .com Instead of just Googling their, their company, you need to just go straight. Just go check out the website. Roofclaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. All right. Like, the Boca Raton Bowl is already perfect. Like, that's actually just, like, a perfect bowl name for some fun group of five teams. Like, we didn't actually need to throw anything in front of that. But Roofclaim.com, just, I, I just love the idea of just dot coms becoming part of this, where it's, like, Go to um what would be a great example of this? The MetroPCS.com uh the Yankee Stadium bowl game. Like uh, what uh, just the pinstripe yeah, bowl. Like, like, uh, San Francisco being ATT.com park. Yes. Like I just, well, why would you put that in there? I just don't get it. I remember the insight.com bowl is what I remember from back in yeah, the it's day. Like who why do you need the dot com? Who's also doing it dot com? Who's typing I in dot com? This is the name of your company if this is the name of yeah. your website. <laughs> I don't need the dot com. Yeah, but uh those are those are some good ones to me. Yeah. Um the Alamo Bowl also is called the Valor Valero Alamo Valero. Bowl. Was it always think, called that? Nah, it used to be MasterCard, I'm pretty mm. sure. I can like see that when who is it? Like Ted Ginn? Mm. I feel like Ted Ginn playing somebody in the in the Alamo Bowl. I feel like the Alamo Bowl always has those like it's like a low key good game every year. Like it's it's like some good brands that like didn't have as good of a season as they thought they would, but it's like now you're still kind of interested in like the 15th versus the 20th team or something like that. Well, we'll wrap up here because we can we can change this because as to um, Atlanta Zone guys, um, the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl. If it got renamed, if Chick Fil A dropped the rights, what would be the most Atlanta replacement for the Peach Bowl? Oh, uh, I mean, who's yeah, next up? Coca Cola. No, right. is it Coca Cola? Are we still doing that? I mean, Coca Cola like is Atlanta. So is if it? You're, if you're going anything? I mean, what what's another brand? Like, what else is more? That's what I was thinking. I was like, Georgia what brand. More? What uh, Zaxby's already has something, right? No, so I don't think there's. A, I don't think Zaxby's has a boy. <laughs> Go with Chick Fil A to Zaxby's. That's what I kind of want. I want some. They'll be the same sponsor. That would be amazing. I would love Zaxby's to outbid them. They're from Statesboro. I love for Zaxby's to come out of nowhere and hit them with a haymaker and be like, "We got the Peach Bowl now." The Zaxby's Peach Bowl doesn't even sound right. I mean, they they got they got to throw shell out some money. They they got the Chick Fil A College Football Hall of Fame and everything. <laughs> like they're gonna have to Zaxby's got to do have to rebrand everything if they want to uh if they want to make that happen well they got some new sauces coming out with some new stuff have you had the uh the kicking chicken sandwich matt i have not oh my god it's 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 a delight it's extremely messy immediate heartburn after but um they're not a sponsor of this podcast but uh zaxby's you could be um i would gladly (laughs) do it do a read for 
the kicking chicken sandwich. It's disgusting to eat. Like I'll never eat it in front of somebody. But if you're looking for a five minute meal where you're gonna feel like just a, a dumpster fire of a person after, but if you have time, to take a nap, get a good meal in. You'll feel like you just ate four thousand calories because it feels like that super messy. But dip it in some Zach sauce with their. I forgot what they put in it. It's like ranch, some kind of ranch and chicken. It, it's just it is so damn good. And I, I very much love it. But also, love a good chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A. Love the original chicken sandwich. Can't go can't go wrong. I'm a chicken finger plate kind of guy, you know? I, mm. That's where I go when I go Zaxby's. You got to grow up sometime, Matt. You got to you got to You get that side of Texas toast, you know? You don't need the, uh, I don't, I don't need the, the, the sandwich. Just, okay. just give me those tenders. What is, your, uh, what is your favorite fast food restaurant, Matt? What is your go-to? I feel like you're a Taco Bell guy. No, I'm not. And honestly, those are probably the top two, Chick-fil-A and Zaxby's. Like, I live closer to a Zaxby's, so I go there more. But mm-hmm. honestly, I feel like I eat so little fast food. Like, I'll go like Jersey Mike's or something. Like that's, Jersey Mike's? Okay. Like, that's not even... Yeah, I feel like I don't even really eat fast food other than Zaxby's and Chick-fil-A. I'm trying to even think. Like, that's... I haven't eaten McDonald's in I feel like years at this point. Like I don't even know. So are you cooking that, a bunch? You're you're yeah, a big cooking that, guy now. I am a big uh, big cooker. You know, big chef guy. Interesting, interesting. Um, all right, Matt Green. That is that is all I've got. Is there uh, anything you would like to plug before we wrap up here? Um, I know we didn't get to touch on the uh, the rest of the bowl games, but uh, I don't have an Emmy, Matt. I don't have. Expect I don't Georgia have to, spark. to come out ready to play. That's all I'm saying. Say Just expect Georgia to come out ready to play. I feel like the Texas Sugar Bowl. I feel like that game changed Kirby Smart. He like he figured out how to approach these these. I mean, this is a third year in a row now. Georgia's in a New Year's Six Bowl, and it feels like their season was shit. You know what I mean? Like that's like <laughs> the standard Georgia fans are at. But it's just that's where the expectations are, and I feel like last year, I think they were missing like. 15 scholarship players or so for that Baylor game. Like you're going to see at least five or six just opting out of this game. Um, There's been different reports on which guys are opting out, which guys aren't. But like the fact that someone like Azizo Jalari, who I think is supposed to play and Jordan Davis, who's had some injuries and he's playing Richard LeCount is trying to make it back and play in this game. I think it just says a lot about where Georgia's focus is. And like, this is when teams play the sec team, in a New York Six Bowl, like, this is their Super Bowl. So Cincinnati is going to be prepared, and I don't think, you know, obviously Georgia's going to be shorthanded. There's going to be some guys, like, multiple players in the secondary that aren't the starters that are going to be missing. But um, I think I don't necessarily, like, you can make that excuse if you want, but I don't think you can make the excuse that, like, oh, they don't want to be here and all that. Like, Georgia got robbed of, like, their senior night, like, with Vanderbilt game getting canceled, like, they really do want to play and they like I think they have some motivation. So if Cincinnati beats Georgia, I think I think it's uh it's you gotta you gotta give them their props, give them their due. I think they will. I think they will. Uh, do you? I think Georgia wins by I'll say multiple scores. Like maybe ten, maybe fourteen, but I think uh, I think Georgia wins comfortably. Interesting. Maybe not comfortably, I'll just say multiple scores. I do More that. than seven. I think Cincinnati wins by like ten. Um, the best bowl game though is the after offense, the offense has still got everybody. That's the thing. Other than I think Ben Cleveland, like the offense should be, and the offense has been significantly. I mean, better is this the best defense 
Georgia's played since Bama? It could be. It might be the best events they've played this year. I mean, I don't care what the stats say. Like, Cincinnati's defense isn't better than Alabama. Like, they're, they're good, though. Cincinnati. Yeah, they're definitely a solid defense for sure. It's uh, it's going to be an interesting game. I think they I think had the advantage at coach, Luke Fickle. Over uh, Kirby. You bite your tongue, sir. Luke yeah. Fickle, uh, he wishes he was Kirby Smart. I don't know. I think Luke Fickle's pretty good. And when he places uh, Ryan Day when he gets the Eagles job or something, I, I don't. I don't think we're going to be like, wow, Luke Fickle really made a mistake. Like, he's just a sitting giant. Like, Luke Fickle's already just he, – he is a sleeping college football giant, would be my guess. Um, he's at Cincinnati, all right? He's done a good job at Cincinnati. We'll see uh, what he does when he gets to one of the big boys. Well, look at what Butch Jones did. It's it's all smooth sailing. Um, I mean, Cincinnati is is how you get to a big time, that for sure. Indiana, Ole Miss – and Oregon Iowa State is the day after um, the playoff games, folks. Watch Ole Miss Indiana at twelve thirty. Watch Oregon Iowa State at four o'clock if you can. I think those two games will be awesome. I think um, I'm I'm very much looking forward to Ole Miss Indiana, but I might not be there because I, I think I'm going to. I think Indi- I think Ole Miss game. is going to win that one. I think uh, I was surprised to see Indiana eight point favorite. I think Ole Miss is going to win. Yeah. Especially if it's a high-scoring game, I don't think. Right, Northwestern Auburn. That is a game I will not watch one second of. Oh no! I know you hate Auburn and you love Northwestern. I thought Northwestern's be best running back just entered the portal. Like none of these teams give a flying. That's fuck true. That's what's so unfortunate game. about the bowl season. Yeah, because we finally get to see these ma- unique matchups that we never get to see, and then half the teams yeah they got their coach is gone like auburn's playing with nothing like there's no reason for um this to 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 watch this game there's just none like i had this one versus bo nicks i'm not doing it (laughs) i had this one stat for florida oklahoma florida is without gonna be without kyle pitts uh Kadarius tony and uh trevon grimes that's 51% of their receptions, 55% of their yards, and 69% of their touchdowns this season. So uh, I think Kyle Trask is going to have his work cut out for him. Yeah. All right. And Marco Wilson also opting out. I'm sure yeah. Florida fans will talk about that one. And also watch the uh, Oklahoma State-Miami game tomorrow night. I think that will actually be really fun. Um, for that guy, down there in Decula, Georgia, from myself up here in Knoxville, Tennessee, that – is all I've got. Matt, thank you as always. We'll be back next week to recap uh, the college football playoff games, the bowl games that happen this week. I'm sure there will be more news that breaks and vacancies that still exist um, on the coaching front. Those will be picked up. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll be a preview in the national championship next time we talk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fun ride as always. It's a full ride, if you will. Do you get it, folks? Yeah, you love it. Um, follow Matt at Matt underscore W underscore green. Follow myself at Chase double underscore Thomas. Go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com. Leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. If you're an Apple Podcast listener, it helps more than you know. That is all I've got. Thank you, as always. And we will be back with another episode tomorrow. Thanks, guys. Nicely done, nephew.
Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.